Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for September 22nd, 2019. Proper 20. Uh, we made it all the way up to 20. Two, two, uh, two sets of 10. And uh, uh, we, we are continuing in this season after Pentecost uh, and uh, having a lot of fun uh, doing it. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're working our way through. There's, there's what? not fun. Right, right. <laughs> um, how many are there, Bruce? 29? 29 propers? I think there's what I'm seeing here. Well, then probably are since you're seeing, <laughs> right? Right. I think yeah. there's 29 drivers. There are 29. So two, about two more months. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. we're and then roughly we, right around Thanksgiving we switch to the season back. Right. So uh, so uh, uh, and 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 uh, for by and large done will we be with the readings from Luke? Yeah. Uh, and, and we'll, Luke. we'll be moving on to to other things uh, that. Uh, uh, thematically, I don't. We go to we, Mark oh. and uh, the year of Mark and John. Mark and John. Okay, yeah. uh, I think so. That that. Uh, oh no no no! Year of Matthew. I'm sorry. Year of Matthew. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, so we will we will move on. What's interesting after that is is because of the way the church calendar year works as far as the lectionary readings go. This is the tail end of the year. Once we're done with You're the proper's, right. it's the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, so once we go to end of the season of Advent, it's actually we switch from year C to year A. Right. So not entirely sure why we picked that time. Is We just decided Advent was going to be the beginning of the season and like the beginning of a year cycle and what with it. Like any ideas as to why we chose that to be the split? I'm not completely sure, but I believe it. Frankly, I believe our calendar is older than the the secular calendar, oh, and okay. so that that was around the time that the year changed. Mm. It does it does have to do with the physical seasons too. Okay, that the, the church calendar has this wonderful sort of pagan slash druid roots mm-hmm. of the change of seasons. So Easter is based on spring, and to a certain degree, the Advent is based on when the days are noticeably getting dark. Gotcha. And so lifestyles are changing and all the crops have to be in and it's sort of this time for reflection. Right. It does. It, yeah, that's a good point. It does feel seasonally. It does feel like uh, fall is the end of it's the ending yeah. uh, of, of, of a year and uh, um, winter would then be the, the, the hibernation and, and mm-hmm. preparation right. for for renewal of the, of the of the next year, especially yeah. if it's if you're doing it from a kind of a crop based, yeah, uh, socially based, yeah, uh, uh, system. What, what is that? an agrarian society? Yes, very good, very good. Um, all right, well then let's let's move into our uh, stump the priest section. Um, I might say this word wrong. This uh, this doesn't give me a specific way to say it. It's probably unspeakable. There you go. <laughs> it shall not be named. Uh, uh, but Carillon. Carillion? Carillion? I think the second way you Carillon? said Oh. C-A-R-I-L-L-O-N. Carillon. Carillon. If it's the word I think it is. <laughs> it probably is. I, I mentioned to you it's, before we started recording that this might be one that this you... This was a softball one. <laughs> that, ...that you might know. But it's it, it's interesting to, to, to see how many things there are that have names and definitions that we don't, you know, yeah. that we don't go into. So it is a physical object... Yes. Okay. All right. Then you're you're probably thinking of the right one. What is a carillon? Carillon is a um, set of bells mm-hmm. in. I believe it's always in a tower. Um, there, it's a, a uh, outside 
set a bell. So it's what you have in a church tower so that you can play hymns uh-huh. and um, other pieces of music to inspire the people in your community to um, turn towards the love of God. Yeah. Uh, the, so so here's the actual definition, which is a nice long definition, but it, it shows you how very specific it has to be in order to, to fit yeah. a, a certain mm-hmm. definition. It's a musical instrument of 23 or more cast bronze bells ranging ranging from two to six octaves, usually set in chromatic order like the keys uh, of, of, of a piano. Instruments, interestingly enough, with fewer bells are called chimes, Un- and they're unlike uh, bells used in peals. Carillon bells are stationary, yeah. and only the clappers move. Uh, for those of you uh, up on your... Uh, um, uh, bell-related diagrams in, in your head. <laughs> uh, they're activated by a, a carillonneur. And so another... So I've not heard that. Uh, right? Seated at the keyboard, which is mechanically linked to the bell's clappers. The volume and character of the sound may be controlled by the force of the carillonneur uh, as the, he or she uses uh, to strike the note. A few uh, carillons are also linked to electric electrical activators which may be played from an organ console but this is discouraged since touch control of the mechanism is lost yes (laughs) uh carillon bells are tuned internally usually in minor keys the keyboard is played with hands and fists yeah Uh, you uh, actually had to whack on this thing we had one in, in in seminary that the students were trained to play and to really give hit the hard notes you had to hit it with a closed fist hmm it was not like there. It was not so, like a so piano the carillonneur for 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 as soft and genteel as it sounds uh, might be over there playing whack a mole on a giant. That's keyboard. what it looked like. Bam, bam. Yeah, it wasn't a keyboard. It was a series of like broom handles oh, or baseball bat handles um, coming out of the mechanism. And interesting. So they had quite a bit of play, oh. and yeah, you hit with a closed fist with a almost a full arm swing mm-hmm. to make the loudest note. Interesting. So this is a, one of the reasons why I chose this is it's it's an object that is not found at our church here right. in Holy Family. Oh, I forgot to say that we're broadcasting not live uh, from Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. They probably and here knew we that. don't since, have a carol. Since we don't have a carol, they probably knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it goes on to say that there are more than 160 carillons in the United States, and many are in Episcopal churches. Those at the National Cathedral, Washington, D.C., the University of the South, Swanee, Tennessee, and Church uh, Christ Church uh, in Cranbrook, Michigan, are among the most well-known. Hmm. Uh, some churches use electronic instruments which simulate the sound of bells. Uh, so, uh, But that is a, a carillon, um, hmm. which was a new term for me, uh, so that was the main reason why I chose it. Yeah, part of the fun of the carillon when I was in seminaries, of course, you had you know, a group of students who during the winter were going stir crazy. And so the caroloners, which I think we use a different term, but anyway, they would try to sneak in pop songs into uh. the <laughs> repertoire. So I'm almost sure one of the guys, men or women, did Stairway to Heaven on it. <laughs> and it was one of those things where you're studying in the library and wait a minute, am I hearing what I think I'm hearing? Right, right. <laughs> that sounds like... <laughs> but one thing I do know they did was... Um, Is that Journey? Yeah. <laughs> while, I was in, while I was in seminary, Northwestern broke its, at that point, record losing streak. Mm. And we, weren't, we were on the edge of the Northwestern campus. So as the students walked past the seminary, carrying the goalposts, 
uh, one of the students uh, ran to the carillon and played the Northwestern fight song. And so then we had like 3,000 Northwestern students cheering our bell tower. It was <laughs> quite impressive. <laughs> I'm just imagining uh, uh, the carillonneur uh, uh, banging out Stairway to Heaven yeah. <laughs> with their fists, like pounding yeah, outside. It was impressive. <laughs> Uh, did, did, like did, uh, so many questions now. Like, now I have I've got to see this, this thing in action because like do you like wrap up your fists like a prize fighter like a like a uh, like a boxer before a match to like so not you're not like hurting saw. your hands. Like, is like I think there's enough give in them. Okay, all right, yeah, all right. It doesn't give much resistance, but <laughs> to get that full mechanical action, that's interesting. So. Carillon is our word of the day, mm -hmm. so uh, you're welcome. I know you you are all uh, clamoring for uh, for such a for such a word. So yeah, an email if you have more questions. I have so much trivia on carillons, even though I never played it. Um, Got it. I could we could spend the whole forty five <laughs> minutes talking. Welcome about to it. Carillon in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ding dong. <laughs> All right, let's move over to the uh, the readings here for this week. Uh, the first one, we're going to go with uh, the Amos reading, uh, mm -hmm. chapter 8, verse 4 through 7. Hear this, you that trample on the needy, and bring the ruin of the, and bring to ruin the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the epa small and the shekel great, and practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, and selling the sweepings of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. Um, let's start with the, 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 the book itself, the book of Amos. Okay. Uh, what, tell us a little bit of background story about this book. What, what's uh, This is an Old Testament uh, book. Right. Uh, um, so, therefore, it's old. <laughs> and it's testament. And it's yeah, it's a testament. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not the longest book. I'm trying to remember exactly how long it is, but I want to say it's what 11, 12 chapters, something like that. Yeah, it's one of the the minor prophets. Mm -hmm. um, it's originating in the eighth century uh, BCE, um, and so around the same time as uh, Hosea, Micah, and Isaiah, Isaiah, Hosea, and Micah. Okay. Um, and it's the Which earliest. Is why aren't they like all partnered together there in the Bible? Yeah, yeah. They, they run together, so to speak. Um, they and, run with in similar crowds, right? <laughs> gotcha. And um, so it's it's re relatively modern. Okay, um, eight hundred years before Christ is not all that modern, but uh, compared to some of the earlier books of the Hebrew Scriptures, it's, sure. So basically, Israel's had time to get into trouble again. Sure. And so Amos is uh, has a series of oracles, prophecies, teachings that are critical of how Israel is living its day in and day out life. Okay. So this is a recant. Oh yeah. Uh, 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 book. Yeah. This I'd is say a you are messing up. Right. You have you have strayed. You have wandered. Uh, and and in this section uh, is a very specific rebuke uh, and an mm -hmm. example of uh, of. Uh, of, of, of such a, a wandering, such a stray. Um, he's pointing out um, that uh, people are uh, taking uh, advantage of the poor. Yep. They're looking them. They're excited uh, for when the Sabbath ends so that they can make money. Yep. 
Um, anything else, though? Like, I feel like knowing what the, the reading at Luke is, I feel like I know why this was chosen. <laughs> uh, uh, because this is still in that vein of, uh, the, you know, uh, spoiler alert for 10 minutes or 50 minutes from now it's the it's the prodigal son right or is no. that what is that not what the, what's no, our oh no no it's the uh it's the rich man uh, uh, uh had a manager uh, yeah uh, the uh, unjust parable. steward yes uh so this is all this is like a money related uh yeah uh, uh this is a setup for the guy that we're talking about like, like this well is... it, yeah in that way it's it's actually describing in some ways what the unjust steward will end up doing Mm -hmm. um, in a fictional uh, example, and so it, it's almost a um, ironic choice because you would expect Jesus to say, "Don't go anywhere near this," since we all know Amos was you know, taught us so much against this, and so many other prophets as well. Um, but one thing um, that I'll just want to mention, um, ah. In verse 6, buying the poor for silver uh -huh. uh, and the needy for a pair of sandals, that's referring to debt slavery. Okay. So you know, that that's hugely bad. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, and yet people were taking on the practices of the surrounding communities, surrounding non-Jewish communities, and if someone owed the debt even just on a pair of sandals, the um, richer people were willing to say, okay, you're going to become my indentured servant. Huh. Uh, even though it was such a pittance to the rich people. Yeah, and even in the, the, the verse prior to that, uh, it seems like a, there's a, uh, a, an accusation of market manipulation as well. Yeah. Uh, so, because the, the, the EPA uh, was a smaller denomination of coin. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, so much like, I can't, wasn't sh a shekel about, uh, like a week's wage and an EPO was Depends about a day's on the wage. Era. That, that's not a bad way to put it. I okay. think EPO was even smaller than that. Okay. So, um, but the long and short of it is uh, the, the, the poor would have fallen into the category of they, they, they put a couple of EPOs together uh, to simply survive. Right. The fact that they, they would probably almost never see a shekel. Uh, so it allows the people who uh, uh, have money to spare that they kind of it's kind of implying that you've manipulated the market so that the, this greater denomination, which the vast majority of people never see because they can't put that much money together at one point in time, has grown in value, and you've devalued uh, the day's wage uh, kind of a, mm -hmm. kind of a concept uh, to, so that to make sure almost kind of uh, uh, implying that you're making sure that uh, people either a do become indentured servitudes. Uh, indentured to you, uh, servants to mm -hmm. you, and B, stay that way. Right. That they can't get out. There's. I remember reading years ago one analysis of this that frankly may not be true. The, the um, author of that particular commentary is kind of notorious for stretching scholarship, but that they may have literally been shaving the coins mm. so that um, the EFA um, would lose some of its intrinsic value by being shaved by the um, rich people, huh? Um, that you know it would have less silver in it. Gotcha. But I'm not again. I'm not sure if that's historically accurate or not. Certainly, the, the point is the same: that they're right. manipulating the currencies, that they're making what the poor people 
have access to be worth even less. Interesting. So yeah, um, not good things. Not good things not at good all. Things. <laughs> very uh, bad things. But very uh, a very economic uh, reading, uh, economy based reading uh, here. Um, um. And one last thing I'll just point out is. Um, continuing in verse 6, selling the sweepings of the wheat, part of the teachings of the Hebrew scriptures was that the sweepings were, were to be left for the very, very poor. Uh-huh. That you weren't supposed to harvest your field to the very edge. You weren't supposed okay. to try to get every piece of grain so that people who needed that to just stay alive would have access to it. Interesting. Okay. So, so... The, the, the implication, you're even profiting off the stuff that right. you were supposed to leave. You were supposed to give um, away. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Shame. Shame. Big, big, big shame. Uh, let's move on to t- yeah. uh, First Timothy then. Uh, First Timothy, you might remember, we read from uh, this past week uh, in chapter 1. Now we're going to read from chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. First of all, then, I urge that supplications... Prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Um, so, as we discussed, I think, last week, mm-hmm. First Timothy is written in the stylings of Paul. Right. Uh, almost like as a as an homage uh, to to who Paul was as uh, a man, who Paul was as uh, a follower of, of Jesus, as and, a theologian, as a pastor. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, in that context, I find it interesting that the author takes a, a, a moment to say such a phrase as, "I'm telling the truth. I am not lying." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but again, because usually if one of my kids says that, that's immediately when more questions should right. be asked. <laughs> In what way are I'm you telling lying. the truth? I'm telling the truth. <laughs> mm. Or are you telling your version of the truth? Like uh but mm-hmm. but uh I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a pass on this and assume that uh, um um he was appointed a herald and an apostle. Uh uh does kind of imp- uh I don't know as if I don't know as if Paul himself would have said uh, a, a herald. Um, he was cert- he certainly labeled he was himself that way, and, and he certainly labeled himself as an apostle. To back up right. what you're saying, but I don't remember him using the term herald. But right, or, we or could well, be. even even such. I mean, a herald implies uh, uh, almost being anointed uh, and being. Um, uh, expressly uh, ordained by the one you are heralding, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know as if Paul would have necessarily ever considered himself. He was a in his writings that we do know are his, very humble on himself, sort of <laughs> humble brag, <laughs> humble brag. And the humble brag he usually used was being the least of all apostles, but still an apostle. Right, 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 right. Um, 
so that that part's kind of interesting yeah. that he's that that uh, uh, teachers of the Gentiles and faith and truth. Um, so what what from this reading? Uh, I, I guess in a way, I, I very clearly see the design for Amos being paired with our reading from Luke. Why 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 this reading from from First Timothy? It kind of it, no reason. No reason. <laughs> <laughs> Just to mess with you a moment. Um, usually. During the season of Pentecost, I'll say that. During the season of Pentecost that we're in now, the second reading is not always related to either of the other two. Okay. Because it'll it'll take on one of the uh, letters books and just go through it in order. Gotcha. So if it does connect, it's coincidence. Hmm. But because the theology is relatively consistent through the New Testament, often it does connect with the gospel by coincidence. So this is, so in a way, like the stylistic uh, design for the lectionary readings is like, just in case you don't like the theme style of readings, here's another reading. Yeah. Well, and... <laughs> or, or just, or, or maybe going through a letter that you normally, maybe normally doesn't get referenced uh, uh, as much. Um, and so like, hey, you know how, you know how you never read from the book of First Timothy? Here's six weeks of First Timothy <laughs> you get in order. Yeah, and it, lectionaries are fascinating because they are, in a sense, an editing of the Bible. Yeah, um, absolutely. And sure. for centuries, uh, we had a lectionary that was only one year long. Mm. And so we the, the gospel, set of gospel readings were taken from various gospels and were based on the biography of Jesus uh-huh. and then the uh, readings letter the uh, uh, the letters went through one set of letters that were considered the, the highlights of the different epistles mm-hmm. um, and the book of Acts and didn't even have anything from the Hebrew scriptures so on that basically started in the 1400s so it was a huge shift for us in a very wonderful way in the 1960s when we started to use this new way of having scripture readings of include of having three readings over three years so we could include a lot more of the scripture but we still have these these um reminders of how it used to be in the way that we go through the letters just sort of one after another and go through the gospels um, in sort of a one after another. And sometimes they don't connect. Whereas Hmm. the first reading from the um, Hebrew scriptures tends to be connected with the gospel. Right. Which makes some sense uh, um, when, when you think about more the, more that the readings would connect uh, uh, rather than um, the, 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 the idea of having the, uh, the, the second reading kind of, on its own, mm-hmm. um, because that's a lot of what Jesus did. Right. He spoke in the language that was familiar to them through, uh, you know, old, you know, the, those Old Testament books, uh, the, yeah. the ones that they would have studied in synagogue, and the ones that they would mm-hmm. have known through oral tradition or written tradition. Right. And uh, 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 spoke in language that was um, uh, recognizable to the audience and like, Oh, Oh, I bet he's talking about, right. Yeah. I remember that reading from yeah. the book of Amos. I remember 
you that know, psalm, that, that psalm, that piece of Isaiah. Yeah. And it almost makes you wonder if, if at some point sometime, like even uh, it maybe didn't get written down in the gospel, but like, remember, you know, that story of yeah. Jonah and the whale and then goes into a, a, a deal, a, yeah. a whole, or, whole, whole ordeal, a, 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 maybe a speech, maybe a parable uh, that connects to it. Uh, and we just don't get, uh, you know, right. We don't get the, the we, that gets left on the, on the cutting room cutting floor. floor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like, well, I mean, I'm not going to take the time of like, uh, you know, Jesus saying you know, everything. Uh, remember that, you know, a reading from the book of Amos, uh, you know, yeah. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, there's, there's only so much time to, right. to cover the material. And, and, uh, and, and maybe we hadn't uh, invented cross-referencing by uh, at that point in time. Like a, well, there's a certain uh, amount, actually. <laughs> it's the, append <laughs> the appendices. Don't let me go down that tangent right now. <laughs> well, anything else from this uh, this book, uh, this reading from uh, First Timothy? I, I mean, it, yeah. I, I feel like it kind of speaks for itself. But, uh, but one thing to note that uh, when it's read out loud isn't always obvious. Verse 5 and 6, or at least the first part of 6, uh, most scholars believe is part of what we call liturgy, part of a worship piece. Oh, okay. That the Christ early Christians used, which reads, "There is one God. There is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, Himself human, who gave Himself as a ransom for all." Hmm. That sounds like a, a hymn or a creedal statement or something that people right. would have said in church. Yeah, it, uh, uh, maybe it's just a. Being read by you, uh, but that yeah, that sounds like mm -hmm. something that we would hear in our own service, yeah. even today. Yeah. So yeah, so he, the author Timothy was quoting what people would have heard in church the Sunday before, hmm. and so they go, "Oh yeah, that's that, that's part of all this." Maybe that's his, his uh, like. Remember, remember my sermon last week? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Okay, all right, uh, all right. Well then, let's move on to Luke. Yeah. Uh, since we only get nine, uh, this this will be ten more weeks of uh, of Luke, uh, this this reading included. Uh, so let's uh, let's get our our Luke on. Yeah. Uh, chapter sixteen, verses one through thirteen. Then Jesus said to the disciples, "There was a righteous man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you?'" Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do? Now that my master is taking the position away from me, I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as, a, as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, a hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to, to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, and how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of his, this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into their into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, 
who will entrust to you the true riches. And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So this reading, this parable, is often hard to digest. Right. Because our minds weave it, like, as we navigate the reading, we're like, oh, yeah, he's, he's called a dishonest manager. We know he's dishonest. He's a bad guy. And then he gets praised. <laughs> but wait a minute. So does is he being praised because he's a bad guy by another bad guy? Or is he being praised because he did a good thing but for the wrong reasons? Or is he like like yeah. your mind starts to go like wait a minute what what am I supposed to what am I supposed to do again <laughs> what am I what was what was good what was right and what was wrong and what what part am I supposed to do and what part am I not supposed to do and what, like yeah. your brain kind of uh, uh, implodes a little as it kind of mm-hmm. weaves back and forth because we are talking about dishonesty but we're also then talking about uh, uh, generosity mm-hmm. uh, so uh, help. Help us, Bruce. Navigate. Help us navigate this, or is navigating it uh, the the uh, the the, um, the point? Well, that's all we have time for today. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, really, the second thing is that navigating it is the point. That it's one of these things that's supposed to break us out of the cycle of go and do likewise and. Bible interpretation. Right. Easy commandments. Yeah. Go forth. Yeah. Be kind, be gentle, spread Uh, God's love. And this one is a, this is to remind us of how complicated life is Mm. and that even how we are following Christ is not nearly as straightforward or simplistic as we would like it to be and as some people make it to be. So, All that said, there is not any kind of agreement among scholars about how to interpret this uh, story, this parable. It is a mind blower on just about any level Uh you you use it on. One approach has been that if we take it in the context of the Gospel of Luke, every rich man's a bad man Uh and has only gotten there through dishonesty and exploitation. So the manager is actually perhaps righting the wrongs of the um, rich guy, of his boss, because uh-huh. he had been exploiting his customers, so this guy setting things to right. That's probably the most unlikely interpretation. That, say, that makes it, dumbs it down way too much. Right, yeah. Uh, so it's more... Well, it also still doesn't even really... Like, <laughs> it still doesn't make sense. Super makes sense, because <laughs> yeah. like... Uh, he, he's righting the wrongs, but he's doing it so that when he gets fired, like someone will take pity on him or maybe give him a job or yeah. something. Or yeah. Like, yeah. So that, that's the conclusion of that interpretation. So he's a Robin Hood. Uh, yeah. Kind yeah. Of, kind he of does Robin right Hood now. for a while so that he'll be. Um, but he only uh, does it when he knows it's going to end. Right. <laughs> so a, <laughs> that he's <laughs> a jerk yeah. Robin Hood. So he's a, yeah. A self-serving Robin Hood. Um, but what it, what it, it's more about, I think, is we cannot separate ourselves from the world. 
as uh, we as Christians cannot separate ourselves from the world and have to be very aware of how the world functions and works so that we can use that knowledge to further God's love. Um, and, and everything from making sure that we understand how social media works mm-hmm. so that we can spread the gospel and yet not be sucked in by some of the um, problems with social media. Um, that if we, as a church, have a savings account, that we can invest that, mm-hmm. but we have to make sure we're wise in how we invest it so that it's done ethically and effectively. Um, the, often Christians through history at various times have basically said, if I'm really stupid, God will take care of me. Hmm. That all I have to do, you know, I, I just have to put $5 under my pillow and God will make it 10 somehow and then I'll right. feed my family tomorrow. God is my parachute. He'll, he'll yeah. bail me out. And I think that's really the core of this story is that we are supposed to be aware of how the world works and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit be able to navigate that ethically and effectively to further God's purposes and dreams for the world. Hmm. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's still so much that we could talk about on the, in this, in this reading here. Well, and, and the big thing is to remember there is verse 10 and that, and what follows, which almost certainly was not first connected with this difficult parable. Okay. Um, whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much and what follows that. Right. But, Certainly was put there by Luke to help make maybe help make sense help of make it. sense or balance it. You know. Right. Even even then though, uh, verses ten and eleven when put together, still kind of make you question a little bit. So whoever is faithful in little is faithful in much, and whoever is dishonest in little is dishonest in much. Uh, if then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? So. It, that maybe the comment being uh, wealth is inherently dishonest. Well, and I, I think it's more to counter what way too many Christians have said before, which is, well, since money's evil, I can do whatever I want with it because God doesn't want it around anyway. Okay. And so I can steal it. I can use it to exploit others. I can do all sorts of evil with it because it's not on the scorecard. Mm. And so as long as I say my, say my prayers at night, uh, then I can do whatever I want during the daylight hours with the money that I get right? Um, through whatever means I get it. So it, I think it's one of these teachings that reminds us that every moment of our life and every action in our life is to be dedicated to God. Mm-hmm. And if it's, Something, no matter what the task is, what the situation is, we are called to be ethical. Interesting. Uh, as, as we're sitting here, uh, I'm also thinking uh, of putting these different readings back to back. And, and it becomes a little difficult, especially in this format, because uh, as you're listening to this, this is probably it's been about a week since you listened to the last one. And yeah. You might not quite remember. But the previous uh, reading, uh, which does come prior to this one uh, in the book of Luke, is about um, finding a, a kind of redemption parables of, of, of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and... And, and uh, the prodigal son. And the prodigal son. So um, 
perhaps, and this is just my mind uh, racing to try to make sense of it because hum- my human brain can't like leave it nebulous and, right. and, and kind of out there, is that even though it's not expressly written so that you get this aha moment, uh, it's perhaps what is implied here is that the manager has in in this act, even for the wrong reasons, has obtained that redemption. He finally got it. Uh, uh, he stumbled upon the truth of the manner the, the the master should have been generous in the first place, and even through an uh, unconventional means, and even through kind of a stumbling along and and, and an initial self centeredness. Uh, he probably did what should have been done in the first place. And that's maybe the reason why chapter th- or verse 13 says what it is, is like this, you should have been generous. He should have been generous with the debt because you can't serve God and wealth. The, 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 the amassing of this, these debts and the, the, the people paying them off just amasses this wealth for you. And that's not, that's not what we're about. Yeah, it's about, going back to that Amos it, reading. It's, it's back to mercy. It. It's back to uh, forgiveness. It's back yeah. to generosity. And uh, um, because you're going, uh, and 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 because this manager had helped the master amass this wealth, even though he, he kind of backed into the right answer, the right answer is, yeah, forgive some of it. You mm-hmm. know, these people are working it off. They're doing their best they can. Give them a reprieve. Uh, uh, be generous. Let them, you know, uh, let them p- pay it back and and uh, e- more easily uh, and serve God uh, and not the wealth itself. Yeah. And one of the things, another feature of this that connects with what you're saying is that those um, parables of redemption that you described were to the crowd, mm-hmm. and this one is to the disciples. So this is the advanced course. Okay. So the this is for the people who have been found, who were the lost sheep, who were the lost coin, who were the prodigal son, have now come into the fold, are now doing their best to walk with Christ, and therefore they start to get these very complicated teachings uh-huh. that do make them have to stop and say, wait, how do I do this? What, what am I... Oh, I have to really be dependent upon God, even in a moment of crisis like losing my job. Huh? Yeah. No, that really that really colors it interestingly because, uh, yeah. It, so he's it, this is this is like an aside story to them. Like yeah. I've told them, you've heard the stories that I'm telling them. They're the lost coin. They're the lost sheep. You're the manager. Yeah. And God's the master. Yeah. And serve. Uh, don't you know? You're gonna, yeah, like you said, you're gonna, you're gonna lose your job. You're gonna, you might very well, and and and, and boy, you really, you know, peeled back the layer on this uh, for me here, uh, um, implying about like, uh, you're gonna lose your job could be a, a, a veiled comment on like, you're, you're probably gonna die for following me. That could, yeah, that that would fit. So, start doing God's work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because. You're, 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 it's, it's not going to, you know, this is, this might not end well and, and start showing compassion and mercy mm-hmm. and, uh, um, serve God. Don't, don't put it off. Don't put it off and don't, don't <laughs> serve, don't serve these other masters yeah. and do it, do it today. Yeah. Yeah. Don't save it for your retirement. Huh? Very interesting. Yeah. Isn't it though? 
See, context is everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a mighty struggle this is until until, until you start thinking about who it was said to and mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 it just might... turns into a different kind of mighty struggle. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Not an easy one for sure. Uh, anything else about this reading? I mean, that Again, you want layers, to point out layers and layers, but probably just wrap it up with that. Yeah, this is a giant onion of a reading. Yeah, I mean, just so many layers to it. Okay. Well, very good. Well, then that will uh, that will uh, having successfully confused us all, yes. and maybe brought us <laughs> through the tunnel of light into a, a, a realm of some understanding. We'll end it uh, for uh, for for this year podcast uh, for September twenty second, twenty nineteen. Uh, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I'm Ben, and I'm Bruce, and come hear what we do with this at eight and ten on Sunday. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.